You're listening to Northwest Chinese Baptist Church Podcast. To learn more about Northwest, including our gathering time, visit us at nwcbc.org. Today's speaker will be Pastor Stephen Yi. Thank you, worship team. Good morning, everyone. I am so glad that you are here. Thank you so much for coming and worshiping together with us today on this beautiful day as we worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thanks for coming. Uh, I want to invite you, just as I have these past few weeks, I want to encourage you to put this in your calendar and to commit to coming and joining us for Easter here at Northwest, starting April 7th, Friday night at 7 p.m., all right, we have our Good Friday joint worship service with our other brothers and sisters from our Chinese-speaking uh, part of our body, and so we're going to come and gather together and worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, Friday night, April 7th, and then make sure you make a point to come on Sunday, Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, all right, join us for sunrise service at 7 a.m. to 8 a.m., and then stay for breakfast and then stay for the rest of our time as we study God's word, as we worship some more together. Uh, and if you take note there, right after 9.15 Bible study, it ends at 10.15, we're going to have an Easter egg hunt for children. I just want to clarify that. This is for children up to fifth grade. So I'm sorry I did not clarify on the slide but the Easter egg hunt is only for children up to fifth grade. But stay and come watch. It's, it's very fast. So if, you have, if you're going to invite somebody to come and participate in everything that's going on in Easter, and if they plan on participating in the Easter egg hunt or their children plan on doing that, tell them, do not be late. I would say come, be here at 7 a.m., so that you're here for the Easter egg hunt, which may start earlier than 10.30. So if they just drive up at 10.28 and expect to have their children participate in the egg hunt, they may have very well missed it. Because we put hundreds of eggs out, if not thousands, I don't know how many eggs, filled with candy, out on that lawn. And when we say go, they are gone and picked up in about five minutes. All right, so please, if anyone has children or friends that have children that are planning to come, tell them, if you, wanna, if you don't want to miss it, be here on time. Be here before 1030. But again, tell them to be here at 7. Okay, so come, participate. It's going to be a great time. And my challenge to you, my dear brothers and sisters, everyone invite one. If everyone invites one, and that one comes, there's going to be hundreds of people that come and hear the good news of Jesus Christ, all right? And so I'm excited about that. I'm praying uh, that God brings people and that we have the opportunity that's, that many people will be saved on Sunday and uh, that they hear the good news. So please, uh, look in your bulletin. Uh, there's other announcements there for you to take note of. They are all important but I'm not going to share them all with you because I know that you can read. So uh, thank you so much for being here. You know, one of the, the greatest blessings in my life, yes, number one is uh, that Jesus saved me from my sin. <laughs> I have the blessed assurance of eternal life. Number two, second greatest blessing is my wife, Debbie. Debbie, where are you? Okay, she's not here. Okay, then my second greatest blessing in this life. No, she's second greatest blessing. One of the other greatest blessings in my life is being able to witness the union, the marriage of a fellow brother and sister in Christ. One of the, one of the greatest blessings in my life is to witness the marriage of a brother and sister in Christ. Two people that love God, love Jesus, and follow Jesus, committing their lives to one another. And do you know what one of the saddest experiences in my life is? It's when I see um, 
a brother and sister in Jesus Christ choose to end their marriage. Or when I hear those words and when I meet with, with dear brothers and sisters and they come to me and they say, Steve, we have decided to get a divorce. One thing that, that, that breaks my heart and, and, and something that, that I pray that, that, that wouldn't happen in this world, but, but as we're going to see today, we know that, yes, as God created everything, as God created us and has given us life, he also created marriage. He created the blessing of marriage. And yet, because of sin and our broken world, we know that along with marriage, divorce is also a reality. And so I want us to look, as we continue our study through the Gospel of Mark, look at this section of, of Scripture in, in Mark chapter 10, verses 1 through 12. And so would you open up your Bibles with me? You can open up your apps or whatever electronically or, or your, your paper Bibles. Please open them up to Mark chapter 10. And I want to read these 12 verses out loud as you follow along silently. But before I read them, would you pray with me? Heavenly Father God, we praise you. You are God Almighty. You are perfect. You are all-powerful. You are all-knowing. You are sovereign. And God, I thank you for giving us today, giving us life, giving us breath, allowing us to come here and gather together to worship you and praise your name and study your word and hear from you. Thank you, God, for your love. Thank you for your amazing grace. Thank you for your shed blood on the cross through your son, Jesus Christ. It's because of Jesus that by faith we can have eternal life, that our sins can be forgiven, that no longer will our sins separate us from you. God, thank you for the hope and the joy and the peace that we have through your one and only son, Jesus. And God, thank you today for this passage that we're about to study. God, I pray that as we look at this and study it, I pray that you would open our eyes and our ears and our minds and our hearts, God, to you. To your Holy Spirit, help us to understand your word. God, help us to live it out and to apply it in our lives. And also, God, help us to use it, God, to encourage other people and other brothers and sisters in Christ. God, thank you for today. Thank you for each person here. Thank you for those that are joining us online that could not make it today. May you be glorified and honored. May your greatness be put on display today. God, I pray that as we study this, this word about marriage and divorce and, and as, we, as we learn about you, God, I pray that you would heal those that need healing today. God, I pray that for those who may be struggling in their marriages, God, I pray that you would bring restoration God, that you would bring healing, that you would bring reconciliation. God, I pray for those that, that may be struggling in some other way. God, I pray that, that as we look to your word, God, that yes, each one of us would turn to you and know that you are God, that you have a plan, that your plans are perfect, and so is your timing. And God, that you love us more than we could ever understand. And so God, I thank you for bringing us here this morning. And I ask God that you would help us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Mark chapter 10, verses 1 through 12. I want to read it out loud. Please follow along silently. You know, Jesus, just a little background, right? Jesus continues to travel around, right? And teach and preach. And yet last week, right, we, we studied about how he's teaching the disciples. And yet again, we will see that here he continues to teach. He's teaching the religious leaders, the Pharisees, as well as those who are all around. And yet we know Jesus' destination, don't we? He is making his way to the cross where he would willingly give his life. 
us giving a sacrifice for our sins. And so here we are, Mark chapter 10, verses 1 through 12. Jesus then left that place and went into the region of Judea and, and across the Jordan. Again, crowds of people came to him, and, and as was his custom, he taught them. Some Pharisees came and tested him by asking, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? What did Moses command you, he replied. They said, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. It was because your hearts were hard that Moses wrote you this law, Jesus replied. But at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. When they were in the house again, the disciples asked Jesus about this. He answered, Anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another man, she commits adultery. Brothers and sisters, friends, as we study this passage this morning, I, you know, feel free to use that outline that's provided if you would like to take notes or write things down or if you just like to draw things and that helps you pay attention. But as we study this passage, I pray that, that we would all see this truth. This truth. That we would see, right, that, that marriage, that marriage is a gift from God. It's a wonderful blessing, right? Marriage is a wonderful blessing that points us to Jesus. And so let's start with marriage. Let's, let's look at that first point, all right? Marriage. All right, and, and if I want you to look at verses, starting in verse 2. And you can go to the next slide. All right? I wanted to give you these answers up front, okay? All right? When we think about marriage... We're going to see this, right? Marriage is a gift. Number one, marriage is a gift and a work of God. All right? It's a gift and a work of God. So we see here, when we look at this passage, the Pharisees, they are always trying and, and conniving to, to, to put Jesus down, to discredit him. And so the Pharisees here, they try to trick Jesus with this question about divorce. And how does Jesus respond here? He responds to their question with his own question. And you look at verse 3, right? He says, what did Moses command you? Because these Pharisees, they were experts in the word of God, in, in the Old Testament, in, in the law of Moses, right? Those, those first five books of the Old Testament that we have, they were experts of the law. And so he asked them, what did Moses command you? Right? And, and if we were to think about the, the law that Jesus is talking about, Yes, oftentimes we think about the Ten Commandments, and yes, those were included, but there's also 600 other commands listed in, in the books of the law, okay, that these Pharisees were experts in. And so he points them, right? What does he point them to? Jesus points, he points them to God's Word, back to Scripture. And then he explains what is really going on and what Moses was talking about when Moses allowed for divorce. We need to understand, dear friends, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, that marriage is a gift and a work of God. You see, when God created marriage, the plan, his plan, was that it would be for life. But yet here's also another truth. Yet because of sin, our relationships are broken. Our world is broken. And because of sin, we experience divorce in this world. So Jesus explains to the Pharisees, Moses wrote this command allowing divorce because he is fully aware that there is sin in this world and our world is broken. And so if our hearts and our minds are broken, then we're not going to make decisions that are pleasing to God and in alignment with his word. 
That's why there's divorce in this world. He reminds them of creation. He points back to, to Genesis, right? Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. God made them male and female, man and woman. And he also references Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. You can write these references down and look back at them or turn to them now. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, and the two will become one flesh. You see, dear brothers and sisters, God is the creator of the heavens and the earth. God created space and time and all living things. He created humanity. He created you, and he created me, right? God also planned and created marriage. What is marriage? Marriage is a joining together of a man and a woman. This is how God designed it. He designed a man and a woman to come together for life, covenantally, to make a covenant with one another, spiritually to join together. Did you know it's not just a phrase, yes, I do, I do. But it's a covenant between you and your spouse. It's a spiritual joining together. It's a physical joining together as well. And yes, it's not something crazy where two physical beings become one physical being. But we'll see what I'm talking about as you, we continue to talk about this passage. But it's two becoming one. And I think about it. I think about the Apostle Paul, and he writes this in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 10 through 11. Right, to the married I give this command, not I but the Lord. A wife must not separate from her husband, husband, but if she does, she must remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband. And a husband must not divorce his wife. And I share this with you because where does Paul get this from? He gets it from God. This is God's word. This is God's design. God created marriage to be enjoyed as a blessing between a husband and a wife, a man and a woman. It is a gift and it's a work of God. Marriage is also exclusive and it's unique. Look at verse 6 and 7 again. Focus in on verse 6 and 7. We need to recognize this about our world and about our lives. See, here's the thing. If we believe God is who he describes himself to be in his word, if we believe that God is God, the God of the Bible, if we believe that God is the creator, then we must look to him and to his word to find out what his purpose is, and what his plan is for all things. Don't we? That includes marriage. Dear friends, that includes marriage. That includes, you know, how we live our lives, our values and our priorities. We must look to God's word because that's where we can find his will for you and me, his plan for you and me, and his plan and design for marriage. So let's look again at verses 6 and 7, right? He quotes, he looks back to, to creation and, and to Genesis, right? God created man and woman, male and female, and he created marriage. And this is what marriage is. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And so marriage is exclusive in a lot of different ways, in a number of ways, isn't it? Based off what God tells us here and how God designed it and created it, marriage is exclusive between a man and a woman. Marriage is exclusive between one man and one woman. Not many men and one woman, and not one man and many women. It's a lifelong covenant. It's exclusive in that way. It's a lifelong covenant made between a man and a woman. It's exclusive in the sense that in Scripture we see God's gift, we see his plan, we see his design. Marriage, yes, guys, 
girls, brothers, sisters, friends, marriage is exclusive. And it is unique. Look what else the Apostle Paul writes. Uh, write this down because this is, a, this is a great passage for you to look at and to study uh, later this week. Ephesians chapter 5. Yes, the whole chapter. Ephesians chapter 5. But I want to share these two verses with you. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 31 and 32. They're not on the screen, so please write it down or open up your Bible and turn to it. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 31 through 32. Starting with verse 31, the Apostle Paul writes this. For this reason, does this sound familiar? For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Oh, Pastor Steve, is this, did you just make a typo here? Did, no, the Apostle Paul is referencing God's design for marriage. And we see this, right? He's referencing Genesis 2, marriage, God's work, God's design, God's gift. And now you look at verse 32. This is a great mystery. But I speak, Paul says, concerning Christ and the church. You know, like I told you at the beginning, right, one of the greatest joys, one of the greatest blessings for me is to witness the union, the coming together, the marriage between a, a, a Christ-following man and a Christ-following woman. I love officiating marriages between Christ, a Christ-following man and a Christ-following woman. But do you know why I enjoy it so much? Because marriage points to Jesus. Paul says this, right? Paul says marriage is a great mystery. What is he talking about? <laughs> if it's a mystery to him, how are we supposed to know? He's talking about Christ and the church. The, the church is you and me, the body of Christ, believers, followers of Jesus. We are the church, dear brothers and sisters. But what does that mean? So, there's this image here that Paul is giving us. The image of a man and a woman joining together in covenantal marriage, right? And when we think about a, a, a follower of Jesus, a man and a woman coming together, committing their lives to one another in marriage, I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, marriage between a man and a woman that follow Jesus is the best and clearest illustration that we have in this world of what? The relationship between Jesus and the church. The church is the bride and Jesus is the groom. Jesus will come back one day to reunite with us, to unite with us when he comes back. The church, the body of Christ, is to submit to Christ as the head of the church. And Jesus, what does he do as the head? Jesus loves and serves the church. He demonstrated his love to us. How? While we were still sinners, he died for us. He willingly sacrificed his life for sinners, for you and for me, so that we might be forgiven of our sins, that we might have eternal life, so that we can be pure and holy, so that we can be with him for the rest of forever. You see, marriage, dear friend, dear brother and sister, is wonderfully unique. You know, I, I, I almost fell over one, one day. I was at a, I was at a wedding, I, and I officiated this wedding. And it was after the ceremony was over, um, we were talking. Just I was in line to, uh, I don't know, do something or get some food or something like that. And, and, and one person from the bridal party, there's not anyone here, okay, so please don't be afraid, uh, I'm not talking about any of you. One person that's part of the bridal party said this. I don't know, you know, marriage is, is kind of boring. There's nothing special about marriage. And I almost fell over. I'm like, what are you talking? I didn't say that. But I said, but I picked up my head. I, I focused my attention on this person. I said, what? Marriage is boring? Marriage is awesome. Marriage is amazing. And I told that person some reasons why. 
Now, yeah, that person didn't drop to their knees and confess, you know, to follow Jesus or anything like that. But, but in that moment, right, I, I, I shouldn't have been surprised because I know that the majority of the world does not know God's design for marriage, does not know the blessing and the gift of, of what marriage is. The, the, the symbolism and, and the picture of the relationship between Jesus and the church, that's lost to the world that, that doesn't follow Jesus. And so it's not surprising that they didn't value marriage. But we must know that it is unique, it is special, but that it, also marriage is, is not part of God's plan for every single one of us. Yes, marriage is a gift and a work of God, but it's not given to everybody. It's not a gift for everybody. Not everybody is planned by God to marry someone. Look at what the Apostle Paul says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 6 through 9. You can write that down. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 6 through 9, or open up there, open your Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 6 through 9. The Apostle Paul writes, I say this as a concession, not as a command. I wish that all of you were as I am. And what's Paul talking about when he says, I wish all of you guys were like me? He's saying single, not married. But each of you has your own gift from God. One has this gift, another has that. Now, in verse 8, now to the unmarried and the widows, I say, it is good for them to stay unmarried as I do. But if they cannot control themselves, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Don't get this wrong. This is not Paul teaching all of us the only and ultimate reason for singleness and for marriage. He is, however, he is addressing a benefit, a, a blessing of singleness and a blessing of marriage. He's saying, yeah, be like me, be unmarried like me, so you can serve the Lord more freely. I'm not, I, he's not saying so you can serve the Lord freely. He's saying so that you can serve the Lord more freely, meaning that if you have a spouse and children, right, you simply just don't have the same amount of time as someone that is single, and you just simply are not able to serve in the exact same ways that someone who is single can. And for marriage, Paul says, Paul says sexual intimacy is a gift from God. It's also a gift from God. And it's to be enjoyed between a husband and a wife. And yes, I said sexual intimacy. It's okay to talk about sex in church because it's created by God and it's a gift from God to be enjoyed between a husband and a wife. Yes, God created husbands to desire their wives and wives to, to desire their husbands and to enjoy each other. Paul says, get married and enjoy this gift with your spouse so that you aren't tempted so much to sin with lustful desire for other people. See, dear friend, brother and sister, sex between a husband and a wife, again, is a, is a gift from God and a blessing of marriage. It's not shameful. It's not dirty. It's not gross. It's not bad. And it's not sin. Yes, we can talk about this and we should talk about this because God created it. Dear friends, I, I want you to know this. I want you to know that there are people all around us that are struggling in their marriages. And there are also people all around us that are struggling in their singleness. And we, as brothers and sisters, as the family of God, as the body of Christ, we need to come alongside each other and love one another just like Jesus loves us. We need to encourage one another and minister to one another. Brother or sister, friend, I, if you are struggling in your marriage today, 
I want you to know that you are not alone. And I want to encourage you to reach out to somebody. Reach out to a trusted brother or sister in Christ. If you are a man, reach out to a brother. Reach out to another man for some encouragement, for some guidance. If you are a sister, reach out to another sister, a trusted sister in Christ. Reach out to somebody. Reach out to me. Come and talk with me. And let's walk together. Reach out to a professional counselor. There is no shame in counseling. Professional Christian counseling. There is no shame in in reaching out for help. Sin has broken our world. Sin has broken everything. And so we will no doubt face struggles, right, in this life. We all know this, right? There will always be struggles. There will always be trials and temptations in this broken world. And yet, in the midst of trials, in the midst of brokenness, in the midst of hurt and pain, dear friends, I want you to know there's always hope. There's always hope in Jesus Christ. Right? I'm I'm talking to you, my married brothers and sisters. I'm also talking to you, my single friends, my single brothers and sisters. You know, some of you, some of you might be sitting here and wrestling with the longing in your heart to find a spouse, but you haven't found that person yet. And I don't know God's specific plan for you in regards to marriage, but I do know this. I do know that God has a plan for you. I do know that God loves you. I do know that God's plan for you is perfect, and his timing is perfect. And that he's going to work out his perfect plan according to his perfect time for your good and ultimately to point to his greatness. And all of us, whether we're married or single, each of us has to learn to find our identity, our purpose, our value, and our contentment in Jesus. Because you will not find it anywhere else. So if you're struggling today, dear friend, whether you're married or single, I encourage you, first, go to God. God already knows your heart. He knows your hurts. He knows your struggles. Secondly, go to his word and talk to him and and take time to listen to him because he's got something to say to you. And, And third, go to somebody. Go to a trusted brother or sister in Christ. And talk with them and share with them so that they can pray with you and walk with you through these struggles. You are not alone. God is working and he has a plan. Remember that he loves you. See, Jesus shows us the gift and the work of God in marriage. And he also teaches us here about divorce. See, what is divorce? Divorce is, is the breaking of the covenant between a husband and a wife. And I was looking up some statistics, and according to the 2019 census data of the United States, does anyone know what percentages of marriages, what percentage of marriages ended in divorce? Don't Google it. Can, does anyone know? Oftentimes in our marriage counseling, where we use the statistics, that 50% of marriages end in divorce. Well, according to the 2019 census data, whatever they collected, they estimated or they calculated that 37% of marriages in the United States have ended in a divorce. Now, we need to understand that there's, if there's even one divorce, that's too many. All right? We need to understand, right, God created marriage, and marriage was designed to be for life between a husband and a wife. Now, divorce is not something God wants. It's not something that God commands, and it's not something that God is pleased with. But we need to understand this. Please, listen up. Hear me out here. Look at God's word and look at what God says. Divorce is not something that God wants. It's not something that he's pleased with. It's not something that he commands. But not all divorce is sin. Let's look here at God's word and what he says about divorce in this passage. Look at verses 10 through 12 of Mark chapter 10. 
Jesus talking, right? When, when they were in the house again, the disciples asked Jesus about this. In verse 11, he answered, Anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another man, she commits adultery. And so one truth that we need to see about divorce is that divorce is a product of sin in our broken world. Now, I just briefly looked up five different websites here about reasons why people divorce, all right? Just... I just Googled it. I was curious, all right? And I, I just scanned through what are the top 10 reasons, what are the top 5 reasons, what are the top 15 reasons why people divorce. And so here are five of the, the top reasons, all right, based off of my research of five different websites. But here's, here's number one. Number one reason that people divorce, according to these websites. Cheating. Having an affair. Second reason. Arguments about finances or financial trouble. Third reason, communication. Struggles communicating or, or frequent arguing with one another. Fourth reason that I saw, intimacy. Not having that connectedness and that closeness with one another. And the fifth reason, abuse. Some type of abuse. Our world is broken. We see that. We see brokenness all around, right? Right? We see it on the news. There's more evidence of brokenness just this past week. Heart-wrenching, horrific sin. But this is why we see divorce. This is why people, husband and wife, decide to walk away from one another and go back on the break the covenant that they made with one another before God. Because people are broken. But we need to understand, again, that not all divorce is sin. Every divorce is a product of sin, but not every divorce is sin. Because if you just think about it logically, if there was no sin in this world, then there would be no sin in a marriage relationship. And thus, divorce would not exist. Divorce is a product of sin and a broken world. There's another truth about divorce. Divorce without bib biblical cause is adultery. Now see here, look at this passage, right? Jesus takes the opportunity to teach the Pharisees about divorce. See, divorce, we know, as I stated, divorce is not commanded by God, but it is allowed by God in certain situations. Now, according to another study, from the American Association for Marriage and Family Therapy, as many as 25% of married men and 15%, 15% of married women have extramarital affairs. Again, just one is too many. But Jesus speaks about adultery here. And what is adultery? Adultery is, is simply cheating on your spouse. Cheating on your spouse. And scripture tells us, right, adultery is not just a physical sin. Where else can we commit adultery? In our hearts. Brothers and sisters, dear friends, temptation, to be tempted is not a sin. But when we carry it out in our minds or in our actions, that's when it becomes sin. Jesus takes the opportunity here to point back to Scripture, back to the law of Moses, the word that they knew very well but didn't completely understand. But he, he points back to Deuteronomy chapter 24, verses 1 through 4. This law regarding divorce that Moses shared with the people of Israel, this law regarding divorce was, was really to do what? The purpose of that law that Jesus is referring to and, and, and that the, the Pharisees are pointing towards was to acknowledge the reality of divorce in a broken world. But it was also, there's more to it. There's more purpose for it. It was to protect the wife's rights and reputation. And it was also to regulate remarriage. It's because how would we know if it's, if you are able to remarry or if you are guilty of a sin and you shouldn't remarry so that you don't commit adultery. Well, back then, right, this is what they're talking about here and this is what Jesus is talking about. 
Back then, right, in that culture, right, the men were the only ones that were allowed to file for divorce, all right, and get a certificate of divorce. But, but you had to go through this formal process. So, yes, they had a process back then, and there was documentation involved. And in that documentation, the, the husband had to give a reason for divorce, and so if it was valid, then the actual certificate of divorce would be issued. So it would be a great help, right, to have that and to know the reason, whether it was sin or whether it's whether it legitimate or not. And so it would be also be helpful for the woman, right, because then it would state they, they got a divorce because uh, of this reason and it wasn't because of sin or it wasn't because of immorality. Or the certificate would say, yeah, well, if they got divorced, it would need to be because of some sin, right? And the certificate would say, yes, they're guilty of this or that or not. And so when we look at Scripture, we see some reasons for divorce. In this passage, this is not every reason. And this is not all God has to say about marriage and divorce in these passages. But we see some reasons for divorce. And, and again, this is not a comprehensive list but when you look at Scripture, you will find some other reasons that, that for divorce, and that includes death. And you can write this down. You can look at Romans chapter 7, verse 2. Yes, we know there could be grounds for divorce because of adultery. And also, a ground for divorce could be because the unbelieving spouse who doesn't follow Jesus Christ, they decide to leave. You see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 15. Again, this is not a comprehensive list that I'm sharing with you today. But we need to see that divorce without biblical cause is adultery. adultery. It is sin. And yet we also need to understand this. In light of divorce, there is forgiveness. There is healing, there is restoration, and there is reconciliation that is only possible in Jesus Christ. Brother and sister, I don't know where you're at in your relationships. I don't know, those of you who are married, how it's going. I know that there are people here that, uh, just based off the statistics, right, there's Almost 40% of us that have gone through a divorce, there are people here that have divorced. And, and I, I want you to know, again, dear brothers and sisters, we need to understand that not all divorce is sin. But at the same time, we also need to understand that it's not, it's not, it is not God's plan that we divorce. But if you have committed sin in regards to marriage or divorce, if you have suffered being sinned against in marriage or divorce, I want you to know, dear brother and sister, dear friend, that there is forgiveness, there is healing, there is restoration, and reconciliation is possible in Jesus Christ. And brothers and sisters, we need to walk with each other. We need to minister to each other. We need to encourage one another. We need to pray for one another and point each other to Jesus and remind each other that God has a plan. His plan is perfect, and so is his timing. And so, how do we apply this? How do we apply what Jesus is teaching us? Please, go to the next slide. Number one. And I just want to end with this application. Number one, in light of God's word, in light of what he's teaching us about marriage and divorce, brothers and sisters, we need to pray. We need to go to God. We need to talk with God, and we need to listen to God. And, and, and it says, choose wisely. I'm, I'm talking, yes, this applies to both married brothers and sisters, but also single brothers and sisters we need to pray and go to God, seek his wisdom, look to his word, seek wise counsel, and then we need to make a choice and we need to choose wisely, to choose to do and follow what God has called us to do. 
Because marriage, and especially my single brothers and sisters, marriage is one of the most important decisions that you will ever make in your life, the spouse that you choose. Do not take it lightly, yet do not be afraid and be scared of it. It is a blessing from God. And if it's part of God's plan for you, then he will give you that wisdom. He will equip you if you seek him and ask. He will give you what you need to make a decision that will honor him and be a blessing. Pray and choose wisely. And maybe there's some of you wondering and seeking God, wondering what you should do about your marriage and your spouse who maybe you are experiencing struggles with. Pray, go to God. Ask him for wisdom and discernment. He will give you wisdom. He will help you to take that next step that will be for your good and his glory. Secondly, in light of God's word today about marriage and divorce, we need to consider it and meditate on it, ponder it, learn it, study it, look at what God says in scripture about the blessing and his design for marriage. Brothers and sisters, we need to prioritize marriage. Prioritize your spouse. They are a gift from God and part of your responsibility. They are a gift and a blessing. Prioritize marriage. We need to prioritize marriage in our world and in our lives today because our world today does not follow Jesus and does not know the gift and the design of marriage and therefore they trash marriage and distort it, and misuse it. We need to prioritize it and protect it. Now, I'm not saying getting fist fights over arguments. No. Protect it, meaning share the truth about marriage and live it out in your marriage. And teach the people around you what God says about it and how the beautiful blessing that God gives us. And third... We need to be willing to repent and acknowledge our sin. Married brothers and sisters and single brothers and sisters, we need to be willing to acknowledge our sin, to turn from our sin, turn back to God and receive his forgiveness. And we need to choose to be a blessing. Brother and sister, if you're in a struggle in your marriage and maybe you're used to always pointing at your spouse, not pointing to anyone here, pointing to your spouse and saying, it's their fault. They're the problem, Pastor Steve. God calls us to be a blessing. We need to love them like Jesus loves us. And in doing so, we point to the greatness of God. I encourage you, brother and sister, if at all possible, do not give up. And I share this with you. There are some of you here who have married and chose to marry someone that does not follow Jesus. And I want you to know God can bring good out of your marriage and, and, and that, yes, maybe that, that may have not been the wisest choice, but God speaks here and shares with us wisdom and encouragement in his word, even about marriages where one spouse does not follow Jesus and what does he say? He says, stay with your spouse. I am not commanding you to divorce, but instead be like Christ to them. Be a witness to them of the good news and the love of Jesus Christ that they might be saved and come to faith in Jesus too. Point them to God. Point them to his word and walk with, with them in love. Acknowledge sin, be a blessing, and glorify God. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father God, we praise you. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. God, thank you for the wonderful blessing of both marriage and of singleness. And God, I pray for my brothers and sisters who may be struggling in their marriage right now. I pray, God, that you would remind them that you are with them. I pray, God, that you would remind them that there is hope. And God, yes, if there's grounds for divorce, I pray that there would be no shame in that. But yet at the same time, God, I pray that if there is hope for restoration and reconciliation and for healing, I pray, God, that you would open 
my brothers and sisters' eyes to that reality and to, to the fact that maybe that is part of your plan for them is that there would be reconciliation and restoration. And yet, God, your plan might, might also include that, that, yes, divorce may be the next step, yet, God, there is also healing and there is also a future for those that are in Christ Jesus that there's forgiveness. God, I thank you for your grace and your mercy. And God, I ask for your help, and I pray that today, God, that we would respond in obedience, that we would respond to your love, that someone here, God, that hasn't put their faith in Jesus as their Lord and Savior, that they would just say right now, God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know I'm not perfect. I need Jesus, I need you, God, to forgive me and save me from my sin. I know the penalty for my sin is, is hell and separation from you, and, and God, I need you to forgive me. And Jesus, I, I confess you as my Lord right now. I want to follow you. I want to follow you all the way to heaven, and I don't know what all that means and looks like right now to follow you, but I know that I want to follow you starting today. And God, I pray that if somebody just prayed that right now, that they would know that their sins are forgiven, that their sins would no longer separate them from you, and that they, can, they have the blessed assurance of eternal life. And God, I pray now for my brothers and sisters. God, I pray that I know that there, there is, are steps that each of us need to take, that you're calling us to take. And I pray, God, that in relation to our marriages and our relationships or our heart and our attitudes, God, I pray that that we would take that next step, whatever it means. Maybe it's to trust you and to trust your plan and your will and your timing. Maybe God is to take that step and to really prioritize our spouse and our marriage and to work on it and to get some help. God, I pray that people would take that next step today as well. Whatever it is, God, I pray that we would respond to your word and to you as you lead. We pray this, God, in Jesus' name, amen. Dear friend, I want to invite you to stand. We're going to sing this song. This is a time of invitation for you to respond to God. It doesn't mean you have to walk up here to the front and tell me everything that, that you've ever done in your life. But if you feel led, I will be standing here. I would love to pray for you and encourage you and help you to take that next step. Or if some of you brothers or sisters just want to come and kneel at these steps and pray to God, whatever it is that he's laid on your heart, as we sing this song, would you come? Would you respond? Let's sing. If you were encouraged by today's message, be sure to follow us on Spotify and hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you stream your podcast. To listen to the other sermons and watch our live gatherings, visit us online at nwcbc.org. We look forward to see the difference God will make in your life. Thank you for listening to Northwest Chinese Baptist Church Podcast.